Hello, it's Joel Robinson here for another Barefoot and Bearded podcast. Today, I was reminiscing about riding my bike to the Tamale Festival in Placentia. This happened uh, on December 11th, and um, this is not the only time I've thought about this, but uh, it's a reoccurring issue. Um, I don't know, any of you out there riding your bikes uh, for commuting purposes or recreationally, whatever, on the streets um, throughout suburb, urban environments, um, what I've noticed is the uh, bike lanes sometimes exist and sometimes don't. And uh, it's a little bit strange. Sometimes there, I can see that the city planners or whoever have mapped out certain routes that are on maybe less busy streets or for efficiency or, or sort of convenience. Uh, uh, they've uh, connected certain streets together using these bike lanes. Um, but not everybody lives along those particular routes and say you're trying to get somewhere else. Uh, these routes don't even apply at all. So there I am riding my bike and uh, I'm not surprised. I don't expect to have a bike lane at all actually, but, um, and riding on the sidewalk uh, has its own obstacles. And from a legal perspective, you're not really supposed to do that because that's where the pedestrians are, right? Even though drivers sometimes would argue with one who rides on the street thinking that uh, the only place for us riders is on the sidewalk or I don't know in an alternate fantasy universe where uh, they can't see us and we don't exist right because drivers um, some drivers um, perpetuate an intolerance for bicyclists it's very strange I know we're all humans using the same public thoroughfare, you would think that we'd be able to share the road, right? Uh, without road rage and, but whatever. Anyway, I go from my particular route this time was, uh, I was just going to take Catella all the way down. Uh, that was pretty convenient to Glacelle Kramer and then take that to, uh, Placentia and, uh, to the old town there. And, uh, the beginning of my route has no bike lane, no big deal. And I'm going along and then all of a sudden the bike lane appears in Villa Park area. And I'm going a little bit further and then it vanishes again. And obviously all it is is a stripe and signs periodically and, and symbols on the road telling drivers if they're even paying attention that bicyclists are using that space. And, um, but that's, that's something cause it just reminds those who are paying attention that we exist too. And we're used, we're for whatever reason, either we can't afford a car or by choice, we're trying to use an alternative to get physical exercise or, um, maybe not waste as much fossil fuels and cause pollution or whatever the reason you would think, uh, people would be understanding and sensitive to the other types of users of the road. 
But no, I get on to Glissel and I'm going along, or maybe it was orange olive, I can't remember, probably orange olive. And uh, somebody, uh, this is where I don't have a bike lane anymore, somebody starts honking their horn at me. And then when they just can't tolerate me being in that space anymore, they drive around me real quick, almost scraping my left side as they pass. And then speeding along as if uh, somehow I had prevented them from getting to where they wanted to go. Those few seconds lost having to wait for me or whatever. Not that I was taking up the whole lane, but I was just taking up a safe amount of space for myself. That buffer that I need to be visible and not riding in a dangerous, precarious gutter situation where there's all sorts of debris cracks and other things that um, really uh, could hinder my ability to survive. So staying on the asphalt, right? That's where you're supposed to be. Uh, And when there's a bike lane, that's pretty clear. But then the minute it vanishes, apparently we're not, um, for some people, we're not allowed to be there anymore. I've actually in the past had people argue with me at stop signs or stoplight. Actually, it was not people, one person um, rolled down their window and started yelling at me that I needed to be on the sidewalk. And I said, well, actually, sir, I'm supposed to be where I'm at on the road, on the side of the road. And they said, well, it's unsafe there. And I said, well, if you drive unsafe, then it'll be unsafe for me. So maybe you should be considerate of other users of the road. And he just kept yelling and arguing with me as if uh, I was destroying his life and causing extra suffering or something like that when all I was doing is riding my bike on the side of the road. Anyway, that popped into my head and uh, this is inconsistency of bike lanes is a is a joke as far as I'm concerned in cities. Uh, if they, for the amount of time that they maintain roads and, uh, you know, re- put new layers of asphalt down and do all this other infrastructural changes on a regular basis, you know, with all these contracts and all this money changing hands, you would think striping all the roads in, in an urban area for, with bike lanes would be, um, considerate, right. Um, to all of us who, all of us who use them and, um, but whether they have them or not, I'm just, you know, if, 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 if listeners out there, you don't ride your bike and you're just a driver, um, navigating the mean streets of Orange County or, or wherever you are, um, I'm just asking you to remember that we are people just like you trying to get from point A to point B. And it's a lot harder riding a bike than sitting in a cozy vehicle with climate control and, you know, all you have to do is press your foot on the gas in order to get from, you know, accelerate or whatever. Um, we're just trying to get by. So let's all be friends on the road. Let's share the road and city planners, city folks, elected officials, whatever. If you ever listen to this podcast, I doubt you will, but if you do, or if somebody's listening can pass the word along to those in charge, uh, the bike lanes need to be consistent or they're worthless. And, uh, 
anyway, uh, I don't like getting honked at. Uh, that's another thing. Um, uh, just as I figure nobody wants to get yelled at and honked at. Um, we're all going through lots of challenges in our life anyway. Um, so let's, let's show some restraint and think about, have some empathy, right? Think about what the other person is feeling before you break out in an all out rampage against somebody for just existing. Um, so that's my bike lane rant today. But, uh, on that same note, have you ever noticed how when you're driving on surface streets in Southern California, uh, and you're preparing to get on a freeway and you're not necessarily familiar with the area. Do you notice how the sign for the freeway for the on-ramp is immediately at the freeway and, and it doesn't tell you which lane to be in until the last second. And there could be multiple lanes uh, going in each direction on your road and it could be busy with traffic. And the last thing you want to do is cut over a whole bunch of lanes, uh, to basically ruin everybody else's life. Right. Cause nobody wants to get cut off here in Southern California. Damn you. So, um, why are these signs only at the freeway entrance? Why aren't there like blocks away, miles away indications that this freeway is coming up and telling you in advance, which lane you need to be in. They're never in advance and, and the, and I mean, advanced advance, you know, like not like there's the freeway and, uh, and, and the sign is like next to the freeway or, or like a block from the freeway where you can actually see the freeway and the sign at the same time. This is something where the sign needs to be a far enough in advance that you can't see the freeway and you don't know where it is, how it's designed. Sometimes to get onto the freeway, you need to be in the left lane. Sometimes you need to be in the right lane, uh, depending on which direction you want to go on the freeway, north, south, east, or west. And they don't tell you this until the last second. Is it, are we trying to disorient everybody and cause collisions and frustration and anxiety and anger and all that? Again, city planners, what is your deal? I, I don't understand yes we have too many signs but it would be great if with the signs that we have they're placed in a in an appropriate place in a in a place that makes sense that prepares people for what's coming versus you know a slap in the face oh last second you need to be in the left lane it's like oh crap i'm in the right lane and i have to go over like two three lanes of traffic in order to get to where i want to go then everybody tries, you know, if you miss that opportunity and you pass the freeway on ramp that you wanted to get on, then you want to make a U-turn, right? And then you get to the next intersection and no U-turns are allowed. And then you go to the next intersection and there's no U-turns allowed there either. So then you have to make a right or left-hand turn. And then there's a center divider like uh curb with landscaping or something like that for like two miles so you <laughs> so you have to keep going further and further away from the freeway uh, in order to make a u-turn which in some cities it seems like u-turns are illegal or something like that just throughout the whole city 
So you have to navigate around all these random malls and neighborhoods just to get back to a freeway on-ramp that you weren't ever prepared for because they didn't let you know at the last minute. I, I swear, this the, the way Southern California was designed, it, everything's like an afterthought. Um, I, I don't get it. And then we've had enough time to improve enhance this infrastructure to make it work more you know function better and yet <laughs> to this day it's like impossible i don't know how tourists can even manage in southern california it's probably it's hard i mean everything's in english for the most part so if you speak another language good luck and and then you know all the coolest attractions half of them don't even have signs to let you know where they are um if you go on maps uh you might not even see them either um, you know, it, it's just crazy and, and everything, I guess you're expected to be in your iPhone 24 seven in order to find anything. Um, but it, the hilarious truth is, you know, I'll, I'll be waiting at a trailhead for some tour participants, people who have made reservations for one of our nature hikes or something. And people show up late and they go, Oh, my GPS told me to go here or told me to go there. It's like, <sighs> Your GPS told you. You're like, how about listening to your own brain and and paying attention to your environment instead of listening to some robot that is going off of some map that was drawn by somebody at Google or somewhere who's not even from the area. I mean, how about how about just paying attention? Maybe look at a map in advance instead of um, expecting a computer that is going to have, you know, it's designed by people who make lots of mistakes. It's probably going to send you to somewhere. I, I, I swear people turn their brains off now. They don't even, uh, look around, you know, they, they're in their airtight sealed conveyor, uh, system that, uh, you know, with their surround sound and, and the music blasting too loud and some computer system that is basically, um, automating their whole life so they don't have to move or be human. I mean, you might as well just get rid of the person and, um, and then we're done, right? Then the robots can get to where they need to go, uh, or whatever, but, uh, they won't even accomplish that because <laughs> these maps have all sorts of flaws in them. And, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, uh, how many people are not getting to where they need to go because they're listening to their GPS and, uh, and doing what the GPS instructs. I, I mean, it's just, remember AAA, remember Thomas Brothers guides? I mean, these maps were drawn pretty well. They're pretty accurate. They updated them all the time. You just looked at a map and then you f followed directions you know, and, and you knew in advance where you're gonna go, so you knew what to expect. It was so easy. And, and now we, we can't do that. We, it's just, uh, that's impossible. Um, we can't use our own brains to think and navigate anymore. Apparently. I mean, uh, people I know who are older than me, they, they used to use these things, the called maps and, uh, paper maps and, and they used to pay attention to their surroundings and know which direction the sun was setting and rising and all that. And they could get around. Now they can't find anything. They just get lost everywhere uh, because their GPS told them to do this. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, and, and, and we keep automating all this stuff. I'm, I, I 
ride my bike to the train station a lot and go into LA to visit friends or go to events there. And I really enjoy using alternative transportation and public transit and everything because I get to see more. It's, it's definitely more stimulating. Um, I'm going to, in the new year, um, kick off uh, Streets of the OC um, Riding and Walking series. Uh, it was a lecture series at 1888 Center in Old Town Orange. Um, but a lot of people who would sign up thought it was an actual walking and riding experience, not a lecture in a, in a room. And, um, I mean, these lectures were great and everything, uh, and, but, uh, storytelling from different people growing up in different areas. But in any case, um, I figure I like going outside. I like wandering around and exploring, and I might as well invite all of you along with me and we could explore the cities, right? Cause there's nature in the city too, natural history, cultural history. We don't have to escape to the mountains or the or the coast in order to get our nature fixed and everything's interesting and despite my complaints about the bike lanes and signage and all that it's still uh an incredible experience to just wander around through your own neighborhood or or other people's neighborhoods and see what's going on and meet new people and all that but anyway i'm riding my bike to the train station regularly there's um the Arctic, I think they call it the Anaheim Regional Transit something center. I don't, I don't remember what it stands for, but, uh, anyway, waiting for the train, they have a computer voice Well, it's like one of those assembled human voices where I guess somebody went into a recording studio and said a bunch of words and phrases, and then it all, you know, it can be utilized, but it's, it's just there's the the tone of 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 any phrase or whatever at the emotion everything it, it's just confusing and lost or or like very uh monotone and so when they announce like a train is arriving you need to be a platform whatever it's one of these uh let's see like Lo- los angeles bound train Da 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 da, uh, uh, at platform two or whatever. Actually, I I I made it too um interesting the way I I delivered that. It's it's even worse than how I just said it. Um, and I'm just thinking they have employees, they have conductors, ticket takers, engineers, office people. They have tons of humans that have probably really nice, pleasant voices. And yet they don't want to use them. They don't want to utilize their own talented employees in that capacity. They'd rather have this robot synthesized, manipulated version of people's voices over the intercom. And it just takes away from the experience of riding the train. It's um, you feel like there's nobody there actually looking out for you. And this is a human-run operation. Everything is human-operated, right? But why do we keep automating these things and and taking away the humanity, the emotion of these experiences that are all about? I mean, it is an experience, right? Uh, if I wanted to have some virtual robotic uh, train experience, I could stay at home and put on some VR goggles or something like that and and have a less than satisfactory 
fake train experience, but I actually want to ride the train. I want to meet people on the train. I want to hear human voices. I want to see people helping people. And again, the, the social experience is degraded by the use of these things and Amtrak and Metrolink, the fact that they even rely on this stuff when they have human employees um, that are underutilized as far as I'm concerned. You know, and then a lot of them are disgruntled when you actually meet these people. Uh, they don't want to talk to you or or if, or they talk to you in a tone that means that they're, you know, in a hurry and, they, and they're not, you know, it's it's a bother for them to even have to socialize with other humans. And where what happened to the the customer service of 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 yesteryear where we were all civil to each other and interested in each other's conversations. It's not like there's a crap load of people writing these things anymore. Um, and it's, and part of the reason is, uh, because it's a sucky experience. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I still do it because I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I, 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 I utilize these, these modes of transit and, um, to get places because I want, I want to have a physical life in this world. I want to use my senses and, uh, get the smells and the sounds and the sights and, and the tastes even, you know, when I'm eating at an interesting new restaurant or foraging or whatever, or bringing food with me and I, uh, you know, or sharing one time I was on the train going south to San Juan Capistrano and there was a group of Vietnamese families that were excited to take the train to I think they were gonna I can't remember where they were going um maybe to the mission or maybe oh you know as further south to Solana Beach I think it was and they broke out these uh, Vietnamese sandwiches and I was dressed like a pirate because I was going to San Juan to do um some pirate living history related to Hippolito Bouchard, um, famous pirate from who attacked San Juan in 1818, um, 200 years ago. Anyway, I meet these Vietnamese folks. They're looking at me because I'm a pirate and I'm looking at them because they have unique sandwiches and they saw my curiosity and they actually offered me a whole sandwich. I mean, that's the sort of amazing experience. It was, it, the sandwich was incredible. It had the flavors that I never would have expected in an in what looked like a generic sandwich and uh you know v vietnamese seasonings different ingredients than i would normally put in a, my own sandwich and uh and then we had a nice conversation i gave them some natural and cultural history information since we were all sitting next to each other i mean that's magical right that's that's what life is about to to interact with our environment with other people with wildlife with everything and then you have all these memories and and your life is stimulated right but then you have city planners and uh train companies and everything trying to take that away from us automating everything computerizing everything um taking away our ability to physically interact with our environment. So it's all compartmentalized and, and, uh, almost virtual, you know, living through our iPhones or something like that. It's crazy, crazy world, um, that we're living in Southern California. 
and um but uh you know despite all of that it's uh it's still worth living here i suppose um <laughs> i don't know well anyway um i'm looking forward to another mindfulness walk coming up and a foraging in powder canyon the last one was rained out to a degree but we we relocated from the powder canyon trailhead to um laguna lake park and the coyote hills property across the street off of euclid and had a great foraging experience anyway we got dumped on um but we identified all these little edibles and a a patch of grass under some trees and then we went on to the trail where all the prickly pear cactus is and found uh, some prickly pears to eat which was amazing and the, and the the clouds broke and there was a rainbow and i mean it was the most amazing finale to a foraging experience that one could ask for uh and then this time powder canyon trail hopefully should be open um this uh sunday the 15th so i'm looking forward to that hopefully i'll see you there and um in any case uh this is another barefoot and bearded podcast i'll catch you next time happy trails